What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast or welcome back to the School District Podcast. I was just thinking the other day, I've been podcasting for about 10 years and blogging for about 15 years. So if you're thinking about putting your voice out there, either in audio format like a podcast, I think you should. I wrote a blog post a few months ago. It's on my website, mradamwelcome.com backslash blog, just about like how to get started with a podcast and why you, I think, should have a podcast if you're a teacher or a principal or a superintendent or the uh, president of your parent teachers association. It's just think of it as a newsletter in audio format. You can still do your newsletter that people read or maybe some <laughs> some people read, but a lot of people are listening. There is a lot of attention out there. So um, yeah, thanks for listening to the School District Podcast. Always appreciate a, a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen or a review or even better, just share an episode with someone you know. Today on the podcast, Michelle Blanchett, who's actually an American but living in Switzerland, Luzon, Switzerland. I've been to Luzon. It's an absolutely beautiful town overlooking a very large lake in uh, in Switzerland. And uh, I found Michelle just through an article that she had written through Edutopia and then a TEDx talk that she had given in Luzon. And we just had a great conversation about teachers and ways that administrators can support teachers. And then we talked about teacher training programs and what it could look like. And Michelle's also written a book called The Startup Teacher Playbook that she co-wrote with Darcy Bacagard, um, which I'm going to check out and looks really awesome. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy our conversation about teaching and, and educating. Oh yeah. Hey, one more thing before I go, if you are looking for some professional development for your school district, it's getting a little bit late for the summer. It's uh, early May, but I, I'm sure I still have some openings to come and do some professional development at a conference or to kick off your school year. As you can hear, I'm doing construction at my house. It is hard to find quiet moments in my house. But uh, hey, if you're looking for some uh, for some speaking, uh, high energy, relevant, fun, going to laugh, going to get some ideas, hit me up, adamwelcome at gmail.com or mradamwelcome.com com backslash speaking. I've done over 300 keynotes all across North America, and I would love to work with you and your organization. All right, Michelle Blanchett. Hope you enjoy. Michelle Blanchett, welcome to the podcast. Hi, yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you're my second international guest. I had the principal of the International School of Paris on uh, a few months ago, and I read it awesome article that you wrote in Edutopia just a few weeks ago, March 8th, it came out that I want to get into. But before we do that, Michelle, for the people out there that don't know who you are, introduce yourself, what you do, where you live, why did I say that you're international, and we will uh, go from there. Sure. Um, so my name is Michelle Blanchett. I am a former teacher. I've taught in the U.S. and Switzerland, which I'm currently based in Lausanne. Um, I am the founder of something called the Educators Lab, and we work to kind of rethink professional learning. We do a lot to bring startup principles, agility, leadership, those types of things uh, into PD so innovation can actually happen. Yeah, I love that. And side note, uh, Luzon is a beautiful, beautiful city. I've spent some time there. Next time you're in Europe or Switzerland, 
just just a beautiful area if you're looking for a place to go Paris is great. The big cities, Barcelona, Madrid are great, but those smaller places I think are, uh, are really magical, um, as you know. So I read this article on in Edutopia. I get their weekly email. I've, I've done work with Edutopia for years. They're actually based not too far from where I live in California. It was titled Five Ways Admins Can Support Teachers. And I clicked on it and I didn't know who you were. And then I followed you on Twitter. Then you followed me back and I loved the article. And I said, hey, can you come on the podcast? So I just love I love, I love Edutopia. First off, shout out to Edutopia because they have so many different educators from all over the world contributing. And I loved your ideas. You're kind of your five ideas. Heart, you, you care about what you're doing. Optimism, you believe that change is possible and you see opportunity in challenges. Curiosity, you remain open and continue to learn and grow. Uh, confidence, you believe in yourself and your abilities. And vulnerability, you're true to yourself in the face of societal pressure. How did the article come about? And just go deeper. It's a really great article. I will link it in the show notes. And also be sure that you're following Michelle on Twitter, Educators Lab. I will link that in the show notes as well too. Why are you writing about ways that admins can support teachers? Whereas there must have been some friction or a sticking point in the work that you do to really kind of put it out there. Where did this all start? Sure. So um, I work with a lot of organizations on rethinking professional learning. Uh, it's no surprise a lot of organizations who actually do PD um, haven't been in the classroom and they noticed. Uh, so uh, actually on my maternity leave, I, my first one, I started the educators lab and I wanted to have more of a, a teacher driven approach to professional learning uh, because in doing that, you know, we talk about we want it to be more learner centered. Well, we need to model that when we do professional learning. So that said, um, we would run uh, these professional learning programs where teachers would get the chance to work on their own ideas. Uh, anytime I've ever done consulting, I've noticed that if you ask the people in the building what's going on, they will tell you, and they will also tell you what ought to be done. So, you know, why not work with that, you know, that that human capital you have in the building, they have great ideas, um, and give them some ways to try out what they think is going to, to help students. Uh, so that said, when we do that work, it lends itself into kind of all these other issues. What is school culture like? Uh, do we trust our teachers to do this kind of work? Um, and one thing that we noticed is that, you know, sometimes when, when you're engaging with a school and when you're talking about, you know, certain problems, you know, that are, that are happening there, uh, people will say, oh, well, the, the teachers don't want to do that, or the teachers are resistant. And you start, you know, you start to notice like, well, is every teacher resistant? Because if every teacher is resistant, maybe it's not the teachers, like maybe there's something happening, you know, in, in the school that we might need to address. And so we, we noticed that these five qualities were kind of good signals for, you know, tapping into what teachers were feeling in the building. So, you know, when teachers stop caring, uh, this is a passion-driven field. Uh, so when all of a sudden you notice a, a large majority of your teachers just kind of don't care or don't want to do something, why? Um, and I think by, by looking at that, when people say like, I don't care about this, maybe it's because they feel an initiative isn't student first. Um, and this helps to get those conversations going because then we need to have a healthy conversation of, is this student first? And what do we need to, need to do to get on that page? Um, vulnerability is another good one. How does your school define success? Um, you know, and a lot of, for, I think for a lot of teachers, if it's, I want my kids to know that they matter, you know, their actions matter and that they can do something to make the world better when they leave here, 
I did my job. And so um, are we following that definition of school success or are we following test score definition of school success? So I think it was nice and that's kind of why we put some of these um, qualities in so that we can talk about how we're feeling because it enabled people to kind of identify um, if they believed in what they were doing or you know how we could get ourselves on track because there was always something deeper there that was causing people to, to feel the way they felt. Yeah, I think for too long, and it continues, we do we do too much to teachers and not enough with teachers. And when they have the say, when they have the buy-in, I remember when I was a principal, there was this new reading assessment that was being put down from the central office. And my first grade teachers, they were like, this doesn't work. I'm like, well, what do you mean it doesn't work? It, they said it worked. And they're like, well, no, because of this, this, and this. Like really simple things that nobody just even asked questions because the decision was made somewhere else, five miles from that classroom. And I'll tell you too, we were talking before the podcast, my dad taught second grade for 35 years. What happens too is, and I remember, remember my dad saying this, he's like, oh, this was that? 20 years ago. So people that have been around, it's repackaged, it's rebranded, it's called something different, it has a different shade of blue. And they're like, well, that didn't work before. And we didn't get the buy in. You know, you have kids, Michelle, and so do I. And here's a simple analogy, anybody that's listening, when my kids are a part of making dinner with me, and especially if what I'm making might be a little bit different or riskier than what I would normally make than like a grilled cheese. But if I got turmeric and cumin or some different spices, but if they're there at the counter chopping and sauteing, they are so much more apt to eat that meal because they were smelling it and they were chopping it and they were sizzling it. And they're like, this looks amazing. Rather than they just sit down, I'm like, here's your dinner. They're like, what is this? It doesn't smell like I normally, what we would normally eat. You gotta make people, keep people a part of the process. My favorite strategy of yours, it's under number two and it's ketchup days. And ketchup days, I mean, my wife wants a ketchup day. She has Friday off and she gets to catch up. So. I want to get some more advice from you and some other steps that principals can take, but principals put some money aside to get substitutes and once a year, twice a year, do it individual, do it as a grade level and pay for subs and let teachers come in, let them go to a conference room or an empty classroom, let them come in just jeans or sweats and casual, let them catch up on planning, on grading, on assessing. If you're a primary teacher, those reading assessments, they take a long time, Michelle, and you can't just do them in between everything else. So a lot of principals listen to this podcast. I'm going to link the article. People are going to read it. If you had to give three things that principals you think could do right now. Here, think about do these or at least think about doing these as a way to support teachers with, with anything, maybe with grading, with planning, with paperwork. That's a lot that I hear about paperwork. Meetings, meetings like death be to meetings, so many meetings and you walk out of the meeting and you even wonder, what did we just meet about? What are some other tangibles that you could give principals that they could go walk and change some behaviors on their campus today? If they could take some time and think of what can you get rid of? Um, we always add more on our plate. Are there 
is there anything you can just get rid of, get off the plate? Um, and that could be something as simple as like, we don't meet, need to meet every week for this. I'm going to do an email uh, two weeks, we, once a month, we can meet in person. Just, just anything to get something off the plate, I think is just one strategy. And I feel like if you sit there and take the time, there's usually something that you can find where there's a like more effective way to do it, a time-saving way to do it, or you, you can just flat out get rid of it. Um, another thing I would say is uh, just recognize people. Uh, don't get too busy that you don't smile or say hi in the hallway. People need to know that you see them, um, especially when they're stressed out and they're down. Uh, you know, I, education, it's, it's just a, it's an industry based on relationships. And so it's not just the teachers with the kids, it's how we treat each other in the building. So I would just say, um, just recognize people. And, and when people do something and put in the effort, I mean, if you can just notice, just say something that they, and you noticed what they did, that just takes a layer, I think, off people because they feel valued. Um, and I would say uh, a third thing that I would really recommend, trying to think I remember putting a lot of these down I yeah I'm sorry I have a kid screaming in the back so I'm this is real back. life everybody we have kids <laughs> in the background we have dogs I have construction going on in my house just like teacher life this is real life no well, one thing you know while you're thinking about that third thing we're so good at bringing things into education and I feel that we can really improve on getting things out like you said and I thought too, like just force, force rank all the things that you do. So there can only be one, one, and there can only be one, two, and there can only be one 17. And if you have 50 things, get rid of the bottom 15 or really have conversations about those things. How many apps do you need? How many, how many curriculums do you need? How many behavior assemblies do you need? I mean, meetings, like you said, if I was a principal still, I would just stop all meetings for a month. And then see actually what information didn't get passed. It was kind of like when COVID started two years ago, people were like, yeah, we want people to work from home, but it can never work. Well, then COVID happened and look, the entire world, still a lot of people, not everybody obviously are still working from home, but it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't like just cut the cords. So sometimes you have to be drastic, obviously take into consideration student safety, well-being, teacher safety, well-being, obviously, you know, think about that globally. Do you have a third one? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, clear, clear goals and expectations. I think if you are asking teachers to do something, why? Just, just make. It, well, how does this benefit kids? And I think sometimes, like we, you know, principals as well, they get thrown a lot of stuff that they're supposed to do. And I think when it just kind of gets passed on to the teachers, make it your goal. Like, how does this fit in with your vision at the school? And articulate the why. And I think teachers appreciate that, and you're more likely to get uh, buy-in with that. But I think that goes along with kind of you know, as you're sitting there thinking about what to get rid of, prioritize. And, you know, if, if certain things are a part of your vision, of, of your goals, just make that completely clear and transparent. And then people know what you expect of them. And, and I think that makes things smoother. Yeah, 100%. So I also really loved your TEDx Luzon. Um, if you haven't watched it, go to, I'm going to link it in the show notes, find it. It's awesome. How we train teachers and admins. And as you were talking, I just kept nodding my head and nodding my head. And that was just like the second reason why I said I need to get Michelle on the podcast. So let's say you can build your own teacher training program, unlimited resources. You can pick your team what would it look like? And I'm going to add one more caveat. A lot of people talk about build your, build your school. And 
you know, we had talked about that before the show. And a lot of people have asked me, Adam, start a school. I'll come and work with you. And actually, that's probably not going to fix the problem because that's only one school. But if we if we look at the pipeline as it goes out, um, I think there's a much greater rate of efficacy with with our teachers. So you can build your own teacher program. What would you, what would you look like? What would it do, Michelle? Yeah. So I mean, I think I think the thing is we talk a lot about transforming ed- education, and this, this takes this is a systems level change. So you need all levels. So if you look at a school of education, I mean, you have people that go into policy, curriculum design, uh, administration, and then, you know, teachers, you have have all these different levels. And the thing is, is we need everybody at each part uh, to be able, and I'm going to call this a to have a change maker literacy so that they can actually not only be able to innovate, but create the conditions so that innovation can thrive Uh, because you know it's not there's no one person or one role it's it's no one's fault right this is a systems level change and this is why it's complicated so even you know some of the things we tell admin well why is it hard well you have policy you have compliance you have you know and you you have all these different these different layers so for me um, I would add uh, if like to get started because these are kind of the conversations we're having right now it's really hard with teacher training because usually you have professors and they all kind of teach which classes they do. And it's kind of hard to have this angle. Um, so what I would do is try to promote or at least incorporate this change maker literacy in, into everything. And if people are kind of unaware of what that is, it's basically a blend of uh, learning to be agile, transformational, trans- transformational leadership and purpose. Um, and so that way you kind of understand, like we talk about this a lot, the world is changing fast. Um, we're barely able to catch up. So we need to be agile and be able to pivot. We need to understand how to recognize a problem and turn it into an opportunity. And sometimes I think in education, we waste a lot of time fighting with everybody about what you know all the problems are. You kind of don't need to. You need to trust that people are going to face unique problems in their lives and that we've equipped them to do something and, and, and for the good of, of, of everybody. Um, and so I think what a teacher training program would look like for me is just how to do this. So of course you have some of your traditional kind of topics, but I would focus on like, for instance, transformational leadership. If people aren't interested and don't know what that is, it's really about how do you work with people? How do you build relationships so people are engaged and wanna do more? Considering that education is based on relationships, for me, sometimes it's shocking that we don't do more to train ourselves so that we work better with people and learn how to get buy-in and, and help people stay motivated and to reach their potential. So kind of a strain on that. Um, I would do more on learning design. What does it look like to create experiences where kids build the skills that we want? Ultimately, we know that doing that, that helps incorporate all the content. So, I, you know, we talk a lot about getting away from this, this content focus. Um, but of course, this comes with the policy and compliance stuff. How do we create those conditions? So what do the learning experiences look like? What do assessments look like, et cetera, that would help us to actually do this type of education? Um, and then, of course, I would add more components on empathy. Um, this is a good part with social good. Um, I would switch from classroom management to restorative justice. Um, just these kind of little things that can really help us to uh, do more um, in, in our schools. And then when I talk about agility, if people don't really know what that is, 
we have design thinking, we have lean methodology, um, we, have, we, we have so many tools that we can use to help people identify a problem and kind of develop a quick plan of action so they can do something. And I think if we trusted teachers uh, more and created the conditions for this trust, teachers ultimately have great ideas all the time, like we were talking about in the beginning. Now they would have a process. So you would see professional learning, the learning space more is like, hmm, I really wanna try this out for the kids. How am I getting that support to do it? And, and it would kind of just, you know, flip this, the switch a little bit on what that looks like. Um, but yeah, these are kind of pieces I would think about if I was, I was putting that together. Yeah, no, I love, all, I love all those ideas. You know, I think about too, the speed at which we can actually change teacher programs. I was reading an, an article about Elon Musk and Tesla, and obviously it's a different industry, but just this same mindset. There was a problem with some of the software in the cars. So they're, oh, we can't do that. And so he said, we'll call up the programmers, change the code. Three hours later, the code was changed. The, the update was sent to all the Teslas worldwide, how they update their cars. And the next morning at 8 a.m., whatever time you time zone you're in, it was fixed. And I think about education, Michelle, and it would take, you know, 17 years, act of Congress and all this and all that just to change these things. The, just the turnover in ideas is, is just so, it's so glacial and it's so slow. And you said leadership and it made me think about, I know when I got my teaching credential, I don't know, 18 years ago, why aren't teachers given courses on leadership? Why are just future administrators? Because teachers out there listening, you are a leader too. Everybody's a leader. You might have a different title. You might lead the entire school, but you're definitely leading your classroom or your grade level. And it's so dependent on also the, the team where you find your first job. I was a third grade teacher, Michelle, and my coach in, in California, once you get a a job. You have to have a coach for two years. My coach was amazing. We're still like very good friends, have kids the same age. And I was lucky, but what if you don't get the coach that really kind of shows you the way? There's just a lot of gaps that I think need to be filled in. I think this is the starting point of <laughs> having these conversations because it's very, you know, very few people like they're like, oh, school's outdated. And it's like, have you guys seen teacher prep? Mm -hmm. And 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 I don't hear as many conversations as I would like on, okay, well, how do we flip the switch? And then and then if they talk about it, it's like, well, just the teacher. And it's like, well, having a good attitude is great, but I don't care how much growth of a growth mindset you have, if you're in a the conditions that don't permit innovation, you can only do but so much. Um, and so I think that's why it's important that, you know, we we kind of have this mindset at all levels in education, because it's it, it, we, it's it's a combo, right? Like you need to have the mindset, you need to have this, you know, great attitude, but you also realistically need conditions in which you can actually focus and do this kind of work. So um, yeah, I would, I'm just all, game to connect with and talk to anybody who's interested in this kind of uh, work and how we mo move that forward. Because that's the other thing I think that's happening now too, is um, I think the amount of just connections and community people are, are building, we're realizing like, if, if this sounds like you, I think like-minded people need to stick together. And by doing that, we'll collectively be able to kind of drive this change. So yeah, with that being said, make sure you connect with Michelle, Educators Lab on Twitter. So let's talk about your book. It just came out uh, last year, The Startup Teacher Playbook, Turn Your Ideas Into Actions, Personalized Professional Development, and Create Innovative Learning Experiences for You and Your Students. 
co-written with Darcy uh, Backagard. Yes. Hopefully I'm saying her name right. 37 five-star reviews on Amazon. First of all, congratulations on your book. How did that come about? How was the writing process? One question I get every week from somebody is, Adam, I want to write a book. How do I go about the process? So tell us about yours. Tell us about the process. Yeah, we'll go from there. Uh, the process, I don't know. I think you just kind of reach this point of ideas where you just kind of, you have to get it out and the computer is there. Um, and so, uh, how did this happen? So, um, the book is really, really, really applied. Uh, so I had the opportunity, um, I did my master's in Madrid at a school called Instituto de Empresa, and I learned about social entrepreneurship. And it was really cool because I kind of watched the scene grow in Madrid and then we moved to Switzerland. I saw it in Zurich, Geneva, I go back to DC. Now I've moved back here and I mean, it's just, it's just continuously grown. And so what's amazing about it and what really inspired me was in the social startup space, um, you would have people. So if people aren't familiar with social entrepreneurship, it's really about creating business where the focus is, is, is more on impact over profit. Um, and so you would have people from all walks of life, all different kinds of backgrounds come in. And it's what I was kind of talking about before they stumbled upon a problem and they wanted to do something about it. And it was a little more venture focused. Well, instead of hiring a bunch of consultants and you know doing all this stuff, they had this tool. It was a one pager called a business model canvas. And it was a quick way, like you it would get together and just problem solve to see, to see if an idea had value, if, if it's something that they could turn into a venture. And it was amazing because if anyone's ever written a business model, the old school way, it's pages and pages of work. It's not very agile, meaning it's hard to change it. Like it feels more like a research paper. Whereas this was just a document where you can kind of like, okay, what you know revenue who are my customers you know you can just kind of connect the dots it's a living document you go back and forth and make changes as necessary and I was thinking as I watched this like why aren't we doing this in education because the teachers come in like how do I get the parents more engaged how do I get the how do I get my students to, to love books you know and they're coming in with these challenge questions and they have all these ideas so you know imagine the power of teachers just sitting there and just getting the time to discuss that stuff because they're going to come up with something incredible to try and so that was our inspiration behind the educator canvas is like let's stop bringing all these consultants in like why don't we just use this space for this because the teachers have the ideas it's just giving that that opportunity for them to get you know this support coaching this collaboration uh and this this opportunity basically to, to do something so that's what sparked the book so the book is um five sections first one's kind of an intro honestly you could skip that one the good stuff for me is two, three, and four. Two is on the educator canvas, and it's kind of some of the usual blind spots we go through, the more tangible parts of planning a project. Um, that that way you, you're more likely to be successful. Uh, the second, uh, the third section, but the, the other part we focus on is transformational leadership. This is the intangible part of project planning. You can plan your project out to a D, but you have to be the one to engage with others in your project or in your idea. And so again, took everything I've ever learned from transformational leadership. And I think, hey, what does this look like in the education space? Because you know, the business world, you look at social entrepreneurship, they studied all this stuff. What is what is a workplace of trust look like? Um, how does transformational leadership boost buy-in and engagement? Well, gee, we all want that as educators. So um, it was really uh, kind of easy for us to, to take what we learned and say, what does this look like to help educate? 
educators uh, be more successful. And then that last part was well-being, uh, because we also so, saw in the startup space, like if you don't take time for yourself, you're going to burn out. Um, teaching is a, you know, there's a lot of emotional baggage. Innovating is changing something and change is hard. Um, and so uh, the well-being piece comes in as well, which is actually where we took, uh, where we were talking about the Edutopia article earlier. Um, that's where some of those pieces are, are from was that section. So yeah, that, that's the book. I love it. Well, pick up a copy. It's on Amazon. Just type in Michelle Blanchett or you can search the startup teacher playbook. I think Times 10 Publishing was your publisher. If I, yeah. if I believe, give them a shout out. Michelle, a big part of this podcast obviously is amplifying the voices of my guests. I'm just going to pass the microphone over to you to close us out. What would you just like to say to all the educators all over the world that listen to this podcast? Just that they're doing a great job. I believe in teachers and I'm always impressed at the ingenuity. Um, I Anyone who's taught during COVID, I mean, what more do you need to say? You're just an amazing human. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, that's, that's the work that we do is how do we continue to support uh, teachers elevate their voices because essentially you guys are the ones that are creating the future for our students. So thank you. I need a t-shirt that just says, I believe in teachers. I mean, you just said that and I'm like, I need to go find one. I'm sure somebody, somebody <laughs> prints one. I was actually a principal uh, during COVID uh, two years ago and I, I can echo, I believe in teachers, everybody listening, teachers, leaders, whatever you do, everybody that just works with kids in a school. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for showing up. Michelle Blanchett all the way in Switzerland. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Please do yourself a favor connect with Michelle at Educators Lab on Twitter. Just go to edutopia.org and type in Michelle's name. You can find uh, find the article we were talking about. And I'll also link the TEDx. It's kind of hard to link the book in the show notes. They don't really kind of uh, hyperlink. So just go to Amazon, type, type in the Startup Teacher Playbook. Did you want to say something else, Michelle, to close this out? Yeah, actually for the book, it's startupteacher.org. Oh, there you go. Startupteacher.org and, yeah. uh, and you can get a copy. Michelle Blanchett, thanks so much. Everybody listening, thanks for all you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day. 